Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. This is episode 143. Travel to Learn Geography. I'm so excited that you're with us today, and just as I'm recording, it's the beginning of September, and Starbucks is has their pumpkin spice for sale, <laughs> and it 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 doesn't feel like fall where I am. It's it's Florida, <laughs> but around the country, maybe the temperatures are starting to drop a little, and it's beginning to feel like that time when the pencils come out and get sharpened and the books are opened and school starts again. It's just such a fun time. And so here I am and I'm talking about travel and I just love, love, love to travel. And I don't care if it's a train, if it's a ship, if it's a bus, If it's a plane, I just don't, I just want to travel. I want to get in my car and go and see the sights. And that's always just been something that I have really, really enjoyed. The thrill of adventure gets me every time. I remember going to the Netherlands with the bikes everywhere. I mean, honestly, I thought I was going to be hit by a bike. And everyone there was so tall and I remember being able to read the street signs. I could figure out the Dutch street signs. But when they spoke English, I could not understand a word, and definitely not Dutch. And I thought, wow, I love their accents. They're so cute. I love the the canals and the canal houses. And one of my favorite things there in the Netherlands was going to visit Corey Ten Boom's house. And I just, she's one of my heroes, my personal heroes. And I love her heart. And it was just so neat to be inside of her house, to sit in her living room, to see the actual hiding place. Um, and I have to admit, I love the cheese. I love the food there. <laughs> they were, there was some really good food there in, in the Netherlands. Another place that I've been to is Rome, and the most thrilling thing for me in being in Rome was to see the jail cell of Paul, and to know that he was in there penning a letter to the Philippians. He was in there praying for the believers and suffering for the cause of the gospel, and that was just so thrilling to me. There was a church that we visited that archaeologists had dug down one layer to another church that had been there before it. And then another century went by, they dug down deeper, and it turned out there was a very early church. So right, you know, maybe in the 100s or 200s. So that was so exciting. So there was actually three levels of churches in one site, and it was so cool that it stayed a church site. So I thought, oh, I'm so glad it didn't become like a tavern or something like that. And then going to visit the Vatican in Rome and seeing the artwork, it was just so beautiful. The tapestries, the paintings, and of course, the magnificence of the Colosseum. And having the tour guide say, okay, see over there, 
That used to be Nero's palace, and that's where he played the fiddle while Rome was burning. And I thought, oh, how horrible to be remembered that way, that while your country was burning, you were playing the fiddle. But Rome was such a thrilling place. Another place I've been to is London. And I have to tell you, we went everywhere in the tube. And you go down, 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 millions of flights of stairs. And then up, 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 (laughs) millions of flights of stairs and escalators. And I finally got used to that. But I'll tell you what, when we were in London, you could eat whatever you wanted and not gain an ounce because (laughs) you did so much climbing. There were cathedrals, and there were beautiful museums, and it was so thrilling. I remember going to the British Museum and seeing the Rosetta Stone, going to the British Library Museum and seeing original Gutenberg Bibles. I was so thrilled. I love the rose gardens. It seems like whenever you read a British mystery or a book, like I love Agatha Christie, and they're always tending their roses, and I thought, this has to be made up. But I am telling you, when I went to London and some of the places around London, everyone had these beautiful rose gardens. I don't know what it is. It must be the climate, or maybe there's just anointing on the British to grow roses. <laughs> So we had tea at the Orangery, and it was right next to Kensington Palace, and we toured the palace, and just so many good memories of visiting those different places, the Netherlands, Rome, London, thrilling, thrilling, thrilling. And the thing was, I learned so much by traveling, because I was there, I was eating the food, I was meeting the people, I was hearing their accents, I was trying to read street maps there, okay, (laughs) trying, you know, in Italian, okay, Italian's kind of like Spanish, I kind of know Spanish, but it was so exciting to visit these places that I had read about in history books, and suddenly they went from being information to being alive in my heart, and I really have a passion. I told you to travel. I love to travel. But I honestly believe something more. That you learn the most about geography and history when you travel. And now, I am not a millionaire. So I carefully scrimped and saved for those trips. And I said to my husband, hey, we're eating hot dogs again, but honey, what'd you do with the grocery money? Oh, I'm saving it. (laughs) So I really would have liked with my children to have just taken them everywhere to see the whole entire world. But of course, I did not have the money to do that. And we did take them to, to Italy and we did take them to the Netherlands. And I took a couple of my daughters to London. But again, I had to save very frugally for many years to be able to take those trips. But what I realized in thinking, oh, I'd love to take my children on a trip around the world. I couldn't take them on a trip around the world, but I could start where I was. And I I could start and we could travel locally. So since I've been homeschooling, I've lived in different states. I lived in Virginia for several years when I first started. Then I spent a few months with my grandmother in Delaware, and then I moved down to Florida and 
I have been in Florida ever since. Praise God, I'm right in the middle of the state of Florida. So I can pretty much get around to anywhere. So I live in Florida and I want to explore my state with my kids because I want my kids to know about the state they were live they live in. Two of my children were born in Florida. Two were born in Virginia Beach, and my oldest was born in Phoenix, of course, before we started homeschooling. So one of the places that I love to go is farms, local farms. And a lot of times around around where I am, they have sweet corn where you can pick your own. They have blueberries where you can pick your own. They have strawberries where you can pick your own. And then the 4-H near us, when the kids were little, they had these um, farm field trips and we would visit several different farms in our county and it was really excited, exciting and we came home with palm trees because of course we visited a palm tree farm. So that was a great way to meet people because I think all the farmers that we met, that farm was not just a farm they started. It had been passed down for generations and so you got a little bit of the history and it was so fun to talk to them and so fun to be on a farm because of course I live in the suburbs with my kids so it's not really like a farming life. Another place is that here in Florida we have tons and tons of museums. Now we have a lot of you know like Ripley's believe it or not and that's fine to visit but I love to take my children to local museums. Like, let's go to the Lake Mary Museum. The Lake Mary Museum is super tiny, but there's neat stuff in it. The Sanford Museum is is not huge, but there's a lot of neat stuff in it. The Seminole County Museum, same thing. So there are a lot of different museums right in my county, right in my city, and we can go to them. We can go to visit some old buildings and old churches and just kind of walk around a lot of times if if a church is like 100 years old or 200 years old they will have some information somewhere that kind of talks about the church another place is to just go on sunday drives we that was what they called it when i was a little girl we'd go on these sunday drives and my dad would say hey let's go on a sunday drive and we would just drive around somewhere now you're thinking oh my goodness i can't afford a sunday drive so you have to think of it as a field trip And I call them explorers because no one uses the term Sunday drives anymore. But you go and explore. And this is how an explorer works. You always leave in plenty of time to get somewhere. So you're going to be there super early. And then you have time for an explorer. So this is how they work. You say, I wonder where this road goes. And then your kids say, I don't know. And then I say, I don't know either. Let's find out. And then we just follow the road. And then (laughs) sometimes we get lost during that. But we leave plenty early. Or a lot of times I like to do this when I'm leaving somewhere. So I don't have an agenda of when I need to get home. But we've discovered a lot of really neat things by just um, doing that. When my kids were really little, I did Meals on Wheels. And I delivered meals to senior citizens. And I would take my kids with me. And all of the, it just so happened that everyone on my route um, had was a Floridian for generations. And so um, I had one guy that, um, well, (laughs) I won't tell you about him, but I had one guy that lived on Lake Jessup and sometimes it would flood and 
the water would be up where I could not even get to his door. And it's just very, very interesting, different situations. One lady, she had this little house. The house had to be like 150 years old. And when you looked at it from the outside, you thought, oh, my goodness, who could live in this house? It's so dilapidated. But inside, it was so beautiful. And all of these people had all of these stories. And as you meet different folks who've been in your area for a long time, for generations, they not only have their own stories, but they have their family stories. And so it's such a neat, exciting way to learn history, but also geography and hear about the hurricanes and hear about what things used to look like. Well, there was no stoplights here. In fact, there weren't even any roads in here except for this one dirt road. And they tell you where it went, and then they describe what the land looked like. And it's really interesting in Florida because we have a lot of orange groves. And, in fact, my suburb was built in a former orange grove. But we also have um, a lot of scrub land. And then down lower in the state, we have the Everglades. When you go out into areas here that are not built up, if you go into like a, an area that's been developed, you'll see these landscaped yards and you'll see these beautiful ponds. They've been dug to kind of drain the water because we're very low, close to sea level. And of course, you know, palm trees do grow here, but these are very well manicured and little, you know, all these beautiful flowers. And there are a ton of beautiful flowers in the wild and, and that are cultivated. But when you go out and kind of into by the lakes where it's a little bit more marshy and you see just flat open land and then a clump of trees and it's just very exciting. Like Florida landscape is very beautiful and the skies are always blue unless there's a hurricane. But um, it's it's a very beautiful place where I live. And it's nice to get out into the nature because you can, you can say to children, well, this is scrubland, but okay, thank you. This is a picture. Great. But when you grow out and you see it and you're, you're driving through it or you're hiking through it and you say, look at that tree. Wow. That's really cool. Do you notice the roots go way down into the water? And you know, sometimes this tree is underwater during the wet season because in Florida we have the wet season and the dry season. And um, so anyway, all of those are things that are right in my county, right in my city. And you can do that too. So I would ask you, what is in your city? What can you learn about geography, history too? Of course, I always have to throw in history and geography because I love them both. But what is in your city? What what little museums exist? What land is there that's the way the land was a 100 years ago? And what things happen? Like sometimes in Florida, we have sinkholes. And if there's a sinkhole, oh, wow, we have got to go see it because that's geography, you know, or if there's a hurricane, we have to follow it. Okay, I overfollow hurricanes, on, but if there's a hurricane coming to our area, then we need to follow and see what's going on and, and all of that stuff. So what is in your city? What's your city like? Maybe you live in Kansas and you have tornadoes occasionally. Maybe you are out in Wyoming and there's just wide open fields. And I've heard Wyoming has really beautiful blue skies too. Maybe you're out in Colorado or Utah or Arizona and there's these amazing rock formations. 
and you just have to drive maybe 30 minutes to go see them. Maybe that's not the Grand Canyon, maybe it's not Sedona, but it's unique and beautiful in its own way. So look around your city because what's in your city, what's in your county, you can take little explorers. You can get off the beaten path. One one time we were on an explorer, and they don't take long, guys, and they're not really far. Like it's just amazing when you follow a road what you find on it. So I'm just following this road, and my daughter says, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, I, I just wanted to see what was down here." So we drove and we saw all the houses, and there was one beautiful house that was really old and another beautiful house that was really new so anyway that was it the explorer was over and we were done but then my daughter came back to me and she said oh I was talking to my friend and she kept going on walks back there during COVID and she found out that that house was originally owned by the founder of our city and now his granddaughter lives there and she's never been married and never had children and so she's the last of the line and I was like oh my goodness like that is so cool and so it just gave that it, that change from being a beautiful old house to a house with a story and that's what's exciting about exploring your city and getting to know it so then the next step is travel statewide so traveling around your city or county anyone can do it you can do it throughout the year traveling around your state that can take a little bit more of an effort. So in Florida, you never have to drive too far till you get to a beach. And the beaches are just beautiful. I mean, I don't think I know of a beach in Florida that I don't like. Even the ones that are all built up with the neon signs and stuff, they still have just a unique personality that I love. But I love the beautiful beaches with the sand dunes and the sea grasses and stuff like that. They're so fun. Now, near my house, it's about two and a half hours away, is this place called Sebastian Inlet. And it's this amazing tide pool. See, we get tide pools where sometimes when the tide goes out, there's a little section. It's almost like it looks like someone dug a little pool. And usually, like the beach closest to me is New Smyrna, the tide pools at New Smyrna are pretty small. You know, maybe you can walk through a tide pool sometimes, and it goes up a little bit past your ankle, two inches, but most of the tide pools are really shallow. Maybe there's a few tiny fish, a few shelled animals, but this tide pool is amazing in Sebastian Inlet and you can explore it and discover things and learn. It's really, really fun. So that's a two and a half hour drive. So you could either make a plan for the field trip. You leave really early and you come back at dinner time or later, or you could go and you could spend the night. So that would be definitely putting out a little bit of money in gas and a little bit of money to go. But what an experience. You can either read about tide pools in your geography book or you can go see a tide pool and just such a fun thing to do another thing in florida and i i should have said this in my own county in my own backyard like not my backyard because i'm not on a lake but across the street is a lake and if you're in florida for any length of time like a day <laughs> you will see an alligator and people get really excited by alligators. Please don't feed them because we want alligators to be afraid of people and to stay away from them. So please don't feed them. And if they're hissing, 
then run. Get away, because it's probably a mama alligator guarding her eggs. But um, bird watching is another thing. Everywhere you go in Florida, you see these beautiful birds. And not only do we have all of our own beautiful birds, but we have birds that stop here on the way down for their final destination in the winter as they're migrating to get away from the cold of the winter. And we also have birds that come here just for the winter. So we are super blessed. So winter is such a good time here to go bird watching. And there's this one island called Merritt Island. It's about an hour away from me. And it is wonderful for bird watching. And there's field trips there all the time, but you can just take your family and go and bring binoculars and see the birds. So we have alligators, we have birds, and Everywhere we go in Florida, there's beautiful flowers, and really all year long. Most flowers don't bloom all year long, but while this one's blooming, the other ones aren't, but then when that one's not blooming, the other ones are. So it's just, it's really pretty to see all the flowers, and so many gardeners do such a lovely job. And there's gardens here, like Lou Botanical Gardens, and... um others like that and oh, they're just so amazingly beautiful so much grows here so much grows here so I can head anywhere basically to bird watch I can head anywhere basically to look for an alligator because there are so many lakes in Florida I think Minnesota beats us in number of lakes but we have a ton of lakes and anywhere there's a body of water there's an alligator in there somewhere and then blue skies we just have the most beautiful blue skies and beautiful sunrises and sunsets so anywhere you go you can notice them but there's some neat things to see in my state I'm in the center of my state, and if I go all the way down to the Keys, I can see coral reefs. They are amazing, and I'm not really much of a scuba diver, but I will snorkel. There are just a lot of a lot of coral reefs down in the Keys, and they're just they're worth it to go down to just see them. Not to mention the beautiful islands, the beautiful ocean. It, it's really a, a trip that is worth it. If I want to see hills in Florida, <laughs> there are hills in Florida, but you have to go way up into the panhandle. So I would have to go north and then west. Although there are some spots around me that have, that are what I call hilly. Now hilly means this, that the road dips down at least six inches and then comes back up. So not probably the hills that you're used to. But out in the pan, out in the panhandle in the northwest, there are hills there. So we can go and see the hills. Now, if I want to travel about two or three hours south, I can go to Lake Okeechobee. And Lake Okeechobee is so interesting because that is where the Everglades start. So the Everglades is just basically this huge, wide, 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 slow-moving river that comes out of Lake Okeechobee and goes all the way down to Miami Bay. And so sometimes there are these little islands in it. Sometimes it's more dry. Sometimes it's more wet. But it is just a huge place with all these beautiful flowers, all these beautiful birds, all these amazing creatures 
including alligators, lots of alligators, and some crocodiles. And airboats, you can take an airboat ride. So what a great way to learn about the geography of the Everglades is to go down and see it. And that's what we've done. We've gone down to the Everglades and we visited a Native American village and we got to see them wrestle with the alligators and things like that. So really, really cool and a great way to learn geography. But I can also go much closer to home. If I drive 10 minutes, I'll be near Lake Monroe. If I get in a boat at Lake Monroe and start heading north, pretty soon I'm going to be in the St. John's River. And the St. John's River goes all the way north. It actually flows north, and it it empties in Jacksonville. And so the St. John's River has all kinds of neat stuff on its side. There's, you know, it goes through populated towns, but it also goes through a lot of country. And so that is a great way to see Florida. Now, if I go down by Lake Okeechobee in the Everglades, there's a lot of sugarcane farms. And if you've never seen a sugarcane farm, then you could visit a sugarcane farm down there. It, there used to be a lot of cattle ranches in that area, and I think there's still some. But because of Disney World, they have just expanded, expanded. And with them expanding, which has brought many tourists and many to the state, so I'm not complaining. But with them expanding, there's all kinds of vacation hotels and neighborhoods and things like that. So there's not as much room to ranch. There still are cattle ranches here in Florida, but there are just not as many in that one particular area. So another thing is the springs. Florida has a lot of springs. And when you live in a place where in the summer the the temperature gets up to the 80s and 90s, it's always nice and humid. So you're always a little damp and moist in that those hot summer months. And what a fun way to cool off and to go to one of our beautiful springs. So there's some springs that are close to me, like Gemini Springs and Blue Springs and things like that. And then there's some that are further away, but those are always worth a visit. And what's really fun is to they have runs where you get in an inner tube and you just go like down the the little river or little stream. Really, really, really fun. And so what better way to learn about what what springs are and why the water is so cold than by visiting it. And then when you're talking about it, you relate it to all those things. So again, there are parks and forests and wilderness areas, there's wet walks, there's swamps, there's airboats, there's cities, there's heritage neighborhoods like Ybor City in Tampa and Little Havana in Miami. They're both sections that are Cuban-American and what stories the Cuban-Americans, I, you know, when I was a little girl, I knew so many families that had escaped from the tyranny of Castro and come to America. And I'd love to hear their stories. It's just so, so amazing. And two places that NASA, you can go learn about space. Um, but you can also look at the geography of uh, Cape Canaveral and you can see why that place was chosen for rockets to blast off from. And then St. Augustine is the oldest continuously inhabited city in 
the United States of America. So that is here and nearby too. And again, not just the history of it, but noticing the geography, noticing that nice harbor, noticing the, the strategicness of the fort and where it was built. So then here's my question. My question is, what does your state have in the way of geography? What does your state have in the way of history? Examine and explore your, your city or county, but then examine and explore your state. Maybe your state is a cowboy state, and maybe you live in a city and you never, like there's really nothing about cowboys in the city, but if you drive an hour away, there's an old cowboy town, or maybe there's a ghost town in your state. So anyway, explore your state. And I just want to take a break right now and really encourage you to check out our Travel God's World series. We have got a one-year unit study work text that takes you to every single continent. It's called Travel God's World Geography. And then it has a companion Travel God's World cookbook. And I am telling you that they are, they are such fun. The curriculum is so fun. It's so fun to teach. It's so fun to learn. They do mapping. They read living books. They learn about the culture. They do crafts. They do games. And they, we do everything that we can to make them feel like they are traveling to different places, to mountains across the world, to deserts across the world. Anyway, it's just super fun. And I encourage you to check it out at powerlineprod.com, powerlineprod.com. Just check it out and look, look for Travel God's World Geography, Travel God's World Cookbook. There's a lot of, a lot that's in our series. And you can check out the whole series with unit studies, and there's a lap book for middle school kids, and a really fun one. And so if you're interested in learning more about geography, I really encourage you to check it out, because all the things I'm talking to you about, we put those in our books in the Travel God's World series. So we we try to let them feel like they are off. They are off on a plane ride or a train ride or something around the world. We have been talking about traveling around our city and county and then traveling around our state and now traveling around the USA. You can start with your region and you can move on or you might do something really super fun like my friend Patty, she and her family, they flew out to California and then they took Route 66 home. And that was such a fun adventure and they saw so much of the United States just by traveling on that one road. And they they brought back so many pictures, so many memories. It was really a precious time. Now, my husband, he went on a trip around, around the country. His dad was a school teacher. And so he had two months off during the summer. And he took they took two whole months. And they traveled all around the country. And especially out west, they lived in Delaware. So they'd done a lot of traveling up the East Coast, in New York, in Vermont, in New Hampshire, in Maine, and places like that, and even down into the South, into Georgia, and place, but they had never been out West, so they did a lot of traveling out West, and they loved it. And my husband, 
when he talks about it today, he still lights up. So if you're a camper, that is such a good way to go because it's probably the least expensive. But look around for deals because you would be surprised if you're if you're willing to stay maybe in places that aren't like the big city or the most popular you can find some good deals in some of these places just just look look around so if you are traveling down south in the southern states you'll find swamps and beaches and farms and lakes and rolling hills and every state has its own things like there's some beautiful covered bridges in alabama there's huge swampland in South Carolina and Louisiana, of course, the Everglades in Florida and Georgia. So there's just a, there's a lot of swamps to explore. There's beautiful farms. And again, remember I talked about if you see a farm stand or a come and pick your own, go do it and meet the farmer and find out his story. If you're going to travel around the mid-Atlantic states, you're going to see the Chesapeake Bay. Oh my goodness, that is a whole geography lesson in itself. And farms and hills and a lot of famous cities in the mid-Atlantic areas like Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Baltimore, and harbors, a lot of big harbors. If you go up to New England, you're going to see little villages and farms and so much history up there honestly so much history and such really beautiful place now the midwest is the farm belt and it's also the rust belt so lots of big companies out there you've got your big car manufacturing plant but a lot a lot of farms and as you head further west in the midwest you get more to the ranching. So in the prairies, you've got more farmland, although there's ranching in every state. But as you move west, it's more of the ranching and less of the farms. As you move to the southwest, more of the ranching. So, so much to see out there. The Great Lakes are so beautiful. The wild plains, the wild prairies. The southwest is so interesting because of the oil rigs. And and the rugged terrain. It, 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 I, I remember driving through Texas and thinking, I can see forever. It is just flat. And I can see forever. And it's just, it just so big, so wide, so open. Such a different feel when you get to the southwest and you can explore the southwest. When you get to the west, you have got the mountains, these cool arch things, and and again, the, the ranches, the farms. Out on the Pacific, you have got the beautiful Pacific Ocean and just a very interesting climate. We're talking about geography. Very interesting climate. So different from the East Coast with the humidity and the lots of forest land. There is a lot of forest land in California and Washington and Oregon, but it's a... If you go near the coast, a lot more dry. And you've got the mountains coming right out to to the beaches. Very, very interesting. So our country is amazing. And there's so many places to go, so many places to explore. For example, you could do a little house on the prairie trip. And you could visit the different places that Pa and Ma and Laura Ingalls lived in. And that would be a really fun trip. Another thing that you might want to think about is you've seen your 
your city, your county, you've seen your state, you've seen your country, and now it's time to see the world. So again, there's so many places. You might want to start with the U.S. territories. Did you know that we have five U.S. territories with people living on them? The U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Northern Mariana Islands, Guam, and American Samoa. And all of them are in the tropics. So some of them are out in Oceania and some of them are in the Caribbean, but they're all tropical islands. So, oh, wow, you don't need a passport to go to them because you're an American citizen. And, well, maybe you need a passport, but you, well, I'd have to find that out for you. But they're part of America, so you can go there. There's no problem. You can go anywhere in America in the United States that you want to. And those five territories are part of the United States. But if, you, if you're like me, I live in Florida. The Caribbean is really close. Maybe you live in California or Texas or New Mexico or Arizona. Then definitely go visit Mexico or Central America. If you're living in some of those northern states like Maine and Minnesota, Michigan and Wisconsin, visit Canada. Start with what's close because that's probably going to be the cheapest place to travel to. But don't limit God. You know, for years and years, we, we've never been wealthy. We've just, sometimes we've had really good years and sometimes we've had really lean years. But I really had a dream to travel outside of the country. And I scrimped and I saved, but also I prayed and asked the Lord, Lord, open the doors for me to visit some of these places. I really want to visit them. And I just would not trade those trips for anything. You know, when I went to Germany, German cities are laid out so that you have the city and then the suburbs and then the country. So if you live in the suburbs, most people in the suburbs around those those cities, they can be in the country, like see a farm within a few blocks. It's just laid out. I love the way that's laid out. I just, I loved walking around and going from the city to the suburbs to the, the farms. It was just really, really cool. So you can travel in your city, in your county. You can travel in your state. You can travel in the country, our country. If you're from not from our country, maybe you're from Australia or the UK, you can travel around your country. You guys have beautiful countries and anyone else, but you can also travel around the world. And if you can't do any traveling, because maybe we're on a COVID lockdown or maybe you just don't have the money to do that, definitely, definitely travel in your family room. And what do I mean by that? Well, visit other places through books. Literature that's set in other countries is a great way to travel to other countries. Watch movies set in other countries. Heidi is set in Switzerland, and it's so beautiful. Look for movies that, like, um, Sahara is set in the Sahara Desert. Different movies set in different places to kind of give you a feel for what those places are like. Watch travel videos. Buy travel books. I love to read travel books, and they have interesting information. Again, I mentioned my books, Travel God's World Geography and Travel God's World Cookbook. Those are a, it's a great way to travel to another country to cook, 
It's a great way to travel to another country to do a unit study. Visit restaurants. I know in our little city, we have Cuban restaurants. We have Mexican restaurants. We have Chinese restaurants. We have Vietnamese restaurants. We have Thai restaurants. We have French, Italian, so many different. And, and if you find a restaurant that's owned by someone like Usually an Italian restaurant is owned by someone who's Italian, but wouldn't it be great if, if he was, like, born in Italy? So look, try to find out, like, who owns it and try to meet the owner and things like that. And then maps. Maps are so fun. I use blank outline maps so much in my homeschooling. They are such a blessing. So don't forget them. And don't forget just being able to look at atlases, to look at the globe, to go on Google Maps. All of that is really fun. And it helps you just to get a bird's eye view of different places in the world. Anyway, I hope I have whet your appetite to travel, to learn in a different way where you're being immersed in the place and the culture. I think that learning geography should be fun. And what could be more fun than traveling around God's world? I am so excited to be with you again soon. God bless you. And I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.